So, um, I, this is the continuing series exploring the six parameters. Today is Kasanti uh, Parameter, the perfection of patience. Remember I spoke before about how these were originally Parami that are more aspirational than a command. Parami in its original sense is the perfecting of the six qualities. Parameter is the perfection that has gone to the other shore. Parameter Kasanti in this sense is the quality of perfect patience as viewed from this shore. It's kind of like sitting over there on the beach if you like. As a practice of perfecting, they're not necessarily a standard or a process. If you don't live up to the ideal, then just don't beat yourself up, just try again. Do your best. Do not feel guilt or pressure and do not feel inadequate. Then again, do not feel pride in being very patient. Why? Because Kasanti Parami, perfecting patience, is not the same as the Western idea of patience. It's not a, a being patient, it's not something we do, and it's neither is it forbearance in that sense. These are not Buddhist ideas, but are firmly planted in Western traditions. Uh, I am being very patient, although I am seething inside at being made to wait, or whatever. This adds to the power of ego rather than um, renouncing it and uh, diminishing it. Patience in the Buddhist tradition comes in several flavours. The first is where we're enduring something over which we have no control. Something like, I wish when winter would end, although it seems that it just has. I hate being sick. I-70 is such a mess in Philadelphia. These ideas mistake personal agency for natural conditions or immaterial and inanimate objects and processes and agencies out of our control. In the case of I-70, it's the highway department. Humans love to assign blame. My wife gets annoyed or at least very baffled by my belief and insistence that the traffic light gods are capricious and sometimes malign, especially if I'm running late. I'm always going on about the traffic light gods. Really though, if the circumstances require patience, requiring you to be patient is a natural process or is otherwise completely out of your control, if you really understand that, then you can relax and wait for the conditions to change. This is non-personal mundane patience. It's, it just is a part of a process. If you understand it, there's no point in being angry. And so being mindful of these non-self and the details of the process will allow you to realize the circumstances. It's just patience in a different way. If you understand your lack of control, there's no need for you to forbear anything. You just let it go. If you cannot do that, then forbearance is a good preliminary training that will reduce anger. So, Western idea is okay as a preliminary practice because it will release or reduce egoistic ang anger, and anger is what is the problem 
here when you're not being patient. What we have most trouble with uh, is with personal patience with regards to human interactions and other sentient beings. So we all live in a human realm where we have lots and lots of interactions. My partner is wonderful, except when I get angry because they are dot, dot, dot. You can fill in an infinite number of annoyances and perceived inadequacies. It's actually, it's not a failure of patience, but a failure of compassion. Understanding the cause of the person's position, habits, upbringing or circumstances can lead us to be compassionate. Forgiveness is an act of compassion. So compassion is a practice that the more we try, the better we get at it. It is a change of focus from self to us. Compassion has no limit in its development. If you can't be accepting and compassionate, then try avoiding and non-engagement with the person as an act of patience. <coughs> As this is better than anger or self-anger, which is anger bottled up. But don't avoid the person permanently. As soon as you're calm, re-engage with them as soon as the anger's passed. Letting go of the annoyances of both types in this development of patience through renunciation, acceptance through understanding and compassion. This is a process of training for us not the accumulation of the power of, boy, I'm really being patient, aren't I a saint? This is the practice of the patient parami, perfecting patience. Kasanti paramita, patience that has gone to the other shore, perfected patience. This is the perfection of patience, patient uncreated. It is itself uncreated. We should say that the original face as a simple expression of a, we could say that the original face has a simple expression of a smile as it finds nothing vexing. So I'd like to read for the rest here from the Suranagama Sutra. Then to Ananda and the others in the great assembly, the world-honoured one gave instruction in gaining patience with the state of mind in which no mental objects arise. Before you understand, you think, oh no, nothing comes into being or ceases to be, and all the myriad mental objects vanish. A fear arises in your heart. You cannot bear the idea of it. But if you actually experience the state of mind in which nothing comes into being or ceases to be, it will not seem at all unusual and you will be able to bear it because you will have gained the patience with the state of mind in which no mental objects arise. A special experience occurs when you are about to become enlightened. When a special experience happens, the only thing you can do is cherish it in your heart. You yourself know, but you cannot tell people about it because it is inexpressible. That is patience with the state of mind in which no mental objects arise. When you see that 
the entire world of perceived objects is within your essential nature, that the three realms of existence are made from mind alone, when you can see that the entire world of perceived object is mind only, that the myriad of phenomena are consciousness only, then mental objects will no, no longer come into being or cease to be. That thus come one has often explained that all phenomena, phenomena that have come into being are nothing more than manifestations of the mind. All things that are subject to the principle of cause and effect, from the largest world to the smallest mote of dust, comes into being because of mind. If we examine the fundamental nature of each thing in the world, Ananda, down to even the smallest wisp of grass, we will see that they all have reality. Even space has a name and attributes. Given that, how could the clear, wondrous, pure mind, the mind that truly understands and is the basic nature of all mental states, itself lack reality? But if you insist that that which makes distinctions and is aware of them, which knows and understands them, is indeed the mind then that mind would necessarily have its own essential nature independent of the involvement with objects, with visible objects, sound, odours, flavours and objects of touch. Yet now, as you listen to my dharma, it is due to the sounds that you can distinguish my meaning. Even if you were to withdraw into a state of quietude in which all seeing, hearing, awareness of taste and tactile awareness ceases, you will still be making distinctions amongst the shadowy objects of cognition in your mind. In that kind of state, you will make distinctions among the objects of your mental awareness. A state of quietude is still just a function of the sixth consciousness, the mind consciousness. Dreaming, for example, is a function of the mind consciousness as are the psychotic states and, and also our ordinary state of scattered thought and discriminations. The state of quietude, which the Buddha mentioned here, is another example. The five consciousnesses cease functioning, yet you still have thoughts. You feel that what is going, to, going on is very fine, but from the point of view of the Buddhist teaching, you haven't taken the first step. Don't feel satisfied. Instead, you should continue to make pro progress. <coughs> if you stop at that place, it is easy to fall into a void, which is of no benefit in developing your skill in meditation. I'm not demanding that you are accepting that the distinction capacity is not mine, but suggest that you examine your mind in minute detail to determine if a distinction-making capacity exists independent of perceived objects of awareness. That truly would be, that would truly be your mind. If on the other hand your distinction-making capacity does not have an essential nature apart from perceived objects, then it too would be just another perceived object, a sad, shadowy mental object. Perceived objects are not permanent. And when the mind ceased to exist such that it had no more reality than the turtle with fur or the hare with horns, then your body 
Dharma body would cease to exist along with it. Then who would be left to practice to perfect patience with the state of mind in which no mental objects arise? At this point, Ananda and the others in the great assembly were utterly dumbfounded. They have nothing to say.